Roadman, it's the final day in the Alps for this year's Tour de France. It's stage 18. Let's cue the intro. The big question is this. How do we use cycling as a tool to improve our health, our happiness and our longevity? That is the question and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Anthony Walsh and welcome to the Roadman Podcast. Roadman, welcome back to the Roadman Podcast. It is stage number 18 of the Tour de France 2020 and it's our final day in the Alps and it was definitely a testing day for the boys of the Peloton. Stage 18, just let that sink in for a second. 18, like 18 days ago and include rest days. So we've had two rest days, 20 days ago. What were you doing 20 days ago? It's a long time and these boys have just been riding their bikes around France. They are, in every sense of the word, roadmen. It's one of the most impressive physical displays that we see every year. It's like a traveling circus around France. I absolutely love it. Uh, today, Ineos, they banished the demons of Bernal back in the Tour de France, and they put on a lovely display. And honestly, one of the best finishes I've seen to a race in a long time. It was you know, a goosebumps moment with Carapaz and Kiyokoski coming across the road arm in arm hand in hand with time to celebrate down the finishing straight it was class class tv before i jump in and unpack all the goings on in the tour de france let me remind you to head on over to patreon.com forward slash anthony underscore walsh patreon is the way that you can pay me for this podcast it's the way that you ensure this podcast has a future it's a way to support small creators instead of pumping money into GCN, Amazon, Netflix for small creators to have a voice. And, you know, it's like it reminds me of during the COVID lockdown, I bought a lot of vouchers for local restaurants because if you don't support small industry, it's going to disappear. Starbucks wasn't going to disappear, but my local coffee shop, there was a chance it was going to disappear. It's the same with all small podcasts. There's a chance they disappear. And the way we ensure they don't, it's through mechanisms like Patreon. So thank you to everyone who has subscribed on Patreon so far. It makes such a difference and it means I get to bring you this Stage 18 podcast. So if you take one second and head over there now, you can buy me the price of a beer once a month and it keeps this show on the road. Today's stage, if you wanted to know how hard today's stage was, you just had to look at Pierre Roland, the French rider, crossing the line. As we say in Ireland, the absolute hack of him. He was His helmet was on sideways. He looked like he'd slept rough for a week. Oh, the lad looked absolutely broken. Today's stage started off with, as we've become accustomed, the intermediate sprint hotly contested because we have this Sagan, Bennett, I don't know, could we throw Trentin into the mix? Again, familiar enough, Bennett took the stage, took the stage, we wish. I don't think we'll ever be here in the words Alpine stage and Bennett took it in the same sentence. Bennett took the intermediate sprint and he's extended his lead to 52 points. Tomorrow, it's it's fucking all in tomorrow for Sam. Stage 19, I identified this a long, long time ago. And stage 19 is a pivotal one. It's a sprinter stage. Sam needs it. Sam needs to avoid... He just needs to avoid catastrophe. He needs to be within one or two places of Sagan. If he extends his lead tomorrow, it's done and dusted. Sam, we're all rooting for you. We're all rooting for you. Uh, it's just, it's nice to see the 
it's nice to see Sagan. He's won it seven times. You know, I do like Sagan. I think he's been great for the sport. He's almost transcended the sport. You know, even if you're to look on Sagan's Instagram, you get a flavour of just how big the guy is. You know, he's 1.7 million Instagram followers, brand deals all over the place. One of the highest, the highest paid athlete in cycling. He's a huge name and he's not going away because he comes second in the Tour de France sprints contest. He will be here for a long time to come. One of our great ambassadors for the sport. But come on, Bennett, in my completely biased fashion. Last year, I loved watching as almost as much as the stage after the stage on Eurosport. They had a show, an after show called The Breakaway. It had Bradley Wiggins. It had the girl Orla, who changed her name to like Chenoir or something Dutch. Uh, they had Dan Lloyd. And they had a great panel of guys. They still have the show, but it's at fucking half seven. Who watches a football match and then it comes time to interview Jose Mourinho after the match, but instead of putting the interview after the match, they put the interview four hours later. Like, you don't care. They put the breakaway on straight after the stage because no one watches the breakaway at 7.30 at night. You've got to be some hardcore cycling fan to watch the stage and then come back to watch the breakaway, like the post-race interviews and analysis, four hours later. And you can't even get it on the channel. You need to download the app and do that. It's absolute nonsense. Surely their viewing figures are reflecting the nonsense that that is. And they're just, yeah, I don't know, shocking stuff from Eurosport anyway. I like a good rant. With Carapaz and Kiyokoski, and they stole the show today, and they had a little bit of a dilemma coming in the road as to who wins the stage, because they had such a gap over the rest of the riders behind, and the GC battle, I'll unpack how that took place in a minute, but I've been in this position before in races, and we came in, myself and two teammates, uh, Sean McKenna and Greg Swinnon, and we were coming in for the Newbridge Grand Prix, one, two, three together, all the same team, UCD, and we just had a chat. And that's how we figured it out. And at the time, uh, it was controversial at the time because it was given to Greg, who'd won a lot of races in the past. And it was, Sean was a 20-year-old kid and it was his birthday that day. (laughs) Greg didn't want to give it away. But anyway, uh, Greg got the win that day. But it happened with a conversation. We didn't race each other. It was a show of strength on the day. Again, it was a show of strength from Team Ineos today. <laughs> yeah, I realise I'm comparing the Newbridge Grand Prix in Ireland to a Tour de France stage. Uh, don't worry, that wasn't lost on me. The, it was a show of strength from the guys today. If they race each other, it sent, like Brian Smith in commentary talks some nonsense. I was having a go at him yesterday for his t-shirt game. I'm having a go at him today for his just general cycling knowledge game. Of course they're not going to race each other for it. Like It sends such a bad message to the rest of the peloton. The Ineos is fragmented. There's not good atmosphere. The two lads are racing each other. They were always going to come in hand in hand, hugging, high-fiving. They're going to be on the front of Keep tomorrow, high-fiving and hugging. Ineos looks like a team you want to be at. Ineos looks like a team you want to be involved in now. They look a united front, and that's important to them, especially after Bernal going home and all the criticism about Chris Froome not being selected, Grant Thomas not being selected, with Nicola Partal passing away tragically this year. It's a team in a lot of flux. This sends a big signal to the rest of the world in cycling. So delighted for them. And Carapaz is someone who I've been very, very critical of. And, you know, I was happy to see them winning the two guys. Carapaz has been super aggressive the last few days. And incidentally, he has inherited the King of the Mountains lead from uh, Pajakar. So Pajakar moves to second in that contest and Carapaz takes the lead in it. I think Pajakar is going to have to pull off a big ride on Saturday to take that lead back because tomorrow's flat. 
unless he's going for that singular point. So anyone's not familiar with that, we talked about how the sprints classification works. The mountain one works similar enough. We have four different categorization of climb. We have a cat three climb, a cat two climb, a cat one climb, and an ours category or beyond category climb. So there's a higher allocation of points the harder the climb. And the first rider to cross the summit of the climb is awarded points. Second place is awarded less points. Third place is awarded less points. Harder to climb, the more points you get. At the end of the three weeks, we tally up all those points and we call that the King of the Mountains contest. So Carapaz has inherited the lead in that at the moment. I had a couple of questions in about the climbing style of Carapaz and when it's suitable to get in the saddle versus out of the saddle because you'll notice that Carapaz is a rider who doesn't like to sit in the saddle very much and I think the basic there's a couple of there's a couple of reasons why you would shift in and out of the saddle one your ass gets a little bit sore on the saddle it's reason one so it's nice to get out and give yourself a break you're engaging different muscles if you think about the muscles you need while seated versus the muscles you need while standing they're different muscles so it can be good to give one muscle group a break and shift the load when you're out of the saddle onto more quadriceps stuff like that it gives your back a break your neck muscles a break but it's also possible to get more torque down on the bike so if you're going up an especially steep section it's useful so that's why we see sprinters sprinting out of the saddle because it maximizes torque likewise on steep sections of climbs we see people getting out of the saddle because it maximizes torque back in the main peloton which i know you're all eager to hear because that's where the real drama is in almost every stage it's the gc battle and we had a little bit of a gc yeah there wasn't much a bit of a storm in the teacup type gc stuff we had mikel landa sticking the team on the front of the race we were praising landa yesterday for trying something with his team it didn't pay off and he got himself dropped but he tried it again and today a slight change of tactics he stuck two men in the breakaway and it's a really good idea on these hard alpine stages especially into the third week to put riders into the breakaway the theory behind this is if you're in the bunch your riders and someone like jumbo visma sets a tempo your domestics are getting dropped so they are zero use to you but if you put them ahead of the race jumbo visma are setting a tempo they're burning out their own riders your riders have a head start on the climb so they're coming back so Landa attacked with Walt Powell's and he had two riders up the road that he could pick up to try and extend that gap. Unfortunately for him, it didn't extend because we've seen Wout van Aert, who we've talked about so much during this climb, or during this Tour de France, we had him climbing again and climbing like, like every day I talk about Wout, but I should call it the Wout show. Uh, he dropped Adam Yates and he dropped Rigoberto Aran with the pace he set, which was unbelievable. We had the controversial inclusion on the top of the last climb today. It was called the Madeleine. We had the controversial inclusion of a gravel road. It was debated because it's just like the fairness of it. You stick it into the last Alpine stage. Someone has had a great ride. You know, they've prepared all season through a difficult COVID lockdown. They've got through two and a half weeks of the Tour de France, avoiding crashes, mining themselves, climbing well, descending well. Then you stick in a gravel road. It's highly likely someone's going to puncture. So it's like, what do we get out of this? It looked kind of cool on TV, but Richie Port did puncture. And I think for anyone who's a fan of fairness, you were glad to see Richie Port getting back in. 
and it's just a da- it's dangerous on the gravel it's easy if you've ever ridden gravel especially on a road bike it's loose and it's easy it, it's easy to slide out going around a corner and that's why we've seen Roglic taking it up and actually riding away from the entire group on the gravel road like a group that included only really big hitter GC guys like Heinrich Mas, Landa, Lopez, Pojakar and of course Sepp Kuss. But we've seen Roglic taking it up on the gravel just to stay safe because the chances of a crash are huge. And unfortunately, Richie Port punctured and he did have to bust his balls to chase to get back in. Richie Port was kind of lucky that the group he got dropped with, the group he dropped out of on the road, he was picked up by a group from that included uh, Walt, Walt, uh, Walt van Aert and it included Tom Dumoulin. And because of the earlier tempo that Jumbo Visma set, they actually dropped Uran and they dropped Yates. So that meant Dumoulin was in line to move up quite a bit on GC. Now, I know Jumbo Visma aren't riding for a top 10 for Dumoulin, but if it's there for the taking, you'd take it. A top 10 in the Tour de France is still prize money. It's still good going. So they actually decided to ride Wout van Aert and Dumoulin with Richie Porte to bring him back across to the front of the race, which was nice to see. And we always talk about this race within a race and you nearly need to look when someone attacks, you nearly need to be looking at the GC and knowing who that affects because with Uran dropped and Yates dropped, who had the incentive to work in that group? Like why did they not just roll into the finish sportif style and save their, ener- uh, save their energy? Well, because Mikel Landa was standing to gain. He started the day in seventh place and he standing to gain two spots to move up to fifth. So we've seen Bahrain Merida hitting the front and riding it into the finish. And that goes back to my point of the importance of putting men up the road. Because these two boys were in the break. So now when they come back, they're with the GC favourites. They would never in a million years be able to hang with the GC favourites. But now he's able to put them to work in the very final kilometres of the stage. And they're able to get a GC advantage move up two places. Now unlucky for Yatesy and Uran. But that's the way it goes. And Bahrain have been rewarded for that great riding yesterday where they stuck the team on the front and the great riding today by sticking men in the break. So, yeah, it, just, it was a thoroughly enjoyable stage on a number of fronts because we had the battle for the King of the Mountains. We had the stage going on where we Carapaz and Kiyakovsky. They were briefly joined. They had Hershey and a few others up there. But there was drama with that. And then we had the GC stuff because... We two up the road with Carapaz and Kiyakovsky and there's three, the top three on a stage get bonus seconds. So another lovely tactical piece to see coming into the line was we had a big group and Pogacar or any of the other GC guys could potentially have taken bonus seconds on the line for finishing third on the stage. Roglic could have sprinted but he had a chance that maybe he'd lose to one of the guys and wouldn't get the time bonus. So instead of Roglic wasting energy sprinting for it, Roglic just puts to work the best bike rider in the world and he has a whisper to Wout and he says, Wout, do us a favour, mop up third place on stage. Wout wins the bunch sprint by two seconds. So that's the importance of having a team and what a super team Jumbo Visma have been this season. Incredible stuff. So on the day, we had Kiyakovsky who rolled across the line just ahead of his teammate Karapaz. I'm not even calling Kiyakovsky the winner. It's a joint win for Kiyakovsky-Karapaz with Wout van Aert taking third place. What a rider, what a man. So GC is unchanged with Roglic leading GC 57 seconds ahead of Pogaccia and 127 ahead of Lopez. Tomorrow, it's a sprint stage. 
the whole of Ireland needs to be cheered and bended on for this one. It's stage 19, 166 kilometers from Borgon Bres to Campagnole. It's going to be epic. I'm really looking forward to it. I'm going to be, we're drawing close to the end of the Tour de France. I'm going to be sad to, I'm going to be sad to see it go. I've enjoyed this little conversation that we've been having and yeah, it's part of my routine now and I've really enjoyed it. So I will be sad to see it go, but we've a few more days to enjoy before we start crying too much. In the meantime, guys, please do drop me a thank you for the Tour de France podcast over on patreon.com forward slash Anthony underscore Walsh. And you know what? You know what? I'm going to be back tomorrow. Chat to you then and ride safe road, man. <laughs>